This is episode 62 with Gary Hall Jr. Welcome to the Athletic Mindset. I am your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal performance coach. Each week, it is my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today, I sat down with Olympic legend Gary Hall Jr. For those of you not familiar with Gary's work, he is a former competitive swimmer and represented the U.S. at both the 96, the 2000, and 2004 Olympics, where he's won a total of 10 Olympic medals, five of them gold, three silver, and two bronze. He is a former world record holder in two relay events, and he is very well known for the character and the enthusiasm that he brought to the pool deck, most famously showing up for a lot of his races in boxing shorts, a robe, and often shadow boxing and flexing for the audience. It was quite the spectacle to watch growing up. He served as a huge inspiration to me, especially watching that 2000 and 04 Olympic races, respectively. You'll see his character shine through a lot in this interview, so without further ado, please welcome on Gary. Well, Gary, first and foremost, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Being a competitive swimmer myself throughout the years, you paved the way for people like me, so thank you. How have you been uh, the past few months here? Yeah, just like everybody else, surviving. It feels like end times out here in California with all the fires and on top of everything else that's going on in the world today. The year of our Lord, 2020. It's different. I mean, luckily you're San Diego, right? No, I am in Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was about to say, yeah, I know it's not great out there, but we'll dive into things here. How did you get started in the sport of swimming? Actually, before you answer that, my dad is a swim coach for years and years and would always tell me stories of your dad coming out to Indian Springs Country Club outside of D.C. to swim before going over to a few games. So I was always like, who are, who's this Hall family? I should know you guys. So here we are. Yeah, well, nice to be formally introduced. Yeah, my father was a, a swimmer. He met my mom, who was a swimmer, at a swim meet at a swimming pool that my grandfather built. My grandfather was a swimmer. He was an NCAA champion in the years after World War II when there wasn't an Olympic Games. But then, at that time, it was the fastest swim meet in the world, so probably would have been an Olympian himself. My maternal uncle was on the 1976 Olympic team with my father. My father swam in three Olympics, 10 world records, world swimmer of the year twice, Carried the flag for the United States in the Olympic Games. The only other swimmer to do that is Michael Phelps. So, yeah, that, I, you don't get to choose your parents. And so I was just kind of born into it. And swimming was always something that we did recreationally as well as competitively. Was it something that you took to naturally right away? Or did you kind of find it later on? Competitive swimming, not until later on. But I, I, I loved the water. Knew how to swim before I could walk that type of thing. And then it just grew up. Um, but a lot of my swimming was done in the ocean. My uh, grandparents had a home in, in South Florida and the Bahamas. So that's where I fell in love with water and, and swimming. Yeah, it was neat yeah, to kind of transition that into a swimming pool and uh, see what I could do there. It wasn't, you know, long after I got involved in competitive swimming that I, I, I discovered a, a love of racing which I had always done tons of. My mother is one of six kids, and each of her siblings had about five or six kids. 
So like 33 cousins all on my mother's side growing up in Phoenix, Arizona. It's so hot. You know, after school, you're either in a movie theater, the bowling alley, or a swimming pool just to escape the heat. And so, you know, every day after school, we're just like in the pool. And it was always, I'll race you from here to there. You know, like, and it was always one lap. It was never, I'll wiggle my hips like this and and, and swim butterfly one lap. And then we cut the corner and and swim back that direction, backstroke. And, you know, it was always just sprinting here to there, one lap, you know, who's faster. I don't know. That's where I, I, I found my passion for competitive swimming. You know, the training part, I could take it or leave it. It, it, it was a means to an end. Yeah, I'm jealous. I was a distance swimmer, and I'm convinced to this day that I just didn't have that sprint like gene in my body. I was envious of the people like you that could just get up and, and go. Yeah, you know, it, it isn't a choice. You know, we can condition ourselves, move the need a little bit, in, in, in one direction or the other, but genetically we're, we're born with, you know, we're uh, some makeup of, of fast twitch and slow twitch muscle fiber. And we don't have any say in that, just like we don't have any say in who our parents are. So I always was really frustrated with, you know, the distance guys that look down upon sprinters, you know, I can't help it that I'm fast twitch muscle fiber. Like I've got as much say over the color of my skin. Why, why, you know, why are they allowed to discriminate against sprinters? And, and we cut a lot of sprinters catch a lot of flack. Being called lazy isn't isn't nice. I was about to say I've I've been guilty of falling in that crowd, so I apologize first. Yeah, first it, totally, <laughs> total commonality. Every sprinter, every team has experienced a little bit of, and it's part of it, 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 the sport too. Is you know rip each other a little bit. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. At what point did you realize you were good? Like, but not just good, you were going to be the best in the world at what you did. Oh, realization for best in the world. And that didn't come until after my freshman year in college that I thought, oh, I had a chance. Was that confidence there before it actually happened? Or did you have to have a support system around you that kind of... Yeah, I had two breakthrough swimmates in my career early that opened a door to the next level. And so one was at my junior, summer after my junior year in high school. The junior high school state meet, I placed second to a guy. And then that summer after that, that, that year, I, I had a big breakthrough, went to junior nationals, crushed it and was a top recruit. But up until that summer, I didn't think I was going to swim in college. Nobody else did either. (laughs) I I was not fast. Yeah, that was the one big realization, like, oh, I can swim in college now. That's four more years. uh, The next one came the summer after my freshman year in college. I went to nationals, qualified for the world championships, placed second to Alexander Popov at the the world championships. So that summer, 94 world championships was another eye-opener. Where I was like, hey, I just play second to the world record holder and, and Olympic gold medalist. The Olympics is two years out. Like, I, I can do this. Maybe I can do this, you know? So, but up until then, I wasn't thinking, like, oh, I'm going to make it to the medal podium at the Olympic Games. Do you think you needed that world championships, like, proof in a way to make it to not one, but three Olympic teams and the career that you went on to have? 
I think that it exposed me to what world swimming is. And I was impressed. I mean, the, the, were, the world championships were in Rome, the huge turnout. I mean, I had never been to a swim meet like that. I mean, with stadium, like the stands packed and stuff like that. And, and seeing like the level of respect that these swimmers would, were receiving, you know, from especially the European swimmers, they always kind of had it better than any of us in the United States in terms of recognition. And yeah, I mean, it just, that was kind of neat. It was inspiring in a lot of ways to really pursue it. Yeah. I want to talk about your actual swimming because I think what drew me as a spectator at a young age to watch someone like yourself was the swagger that you were able to bring to the sport and just, you made it look fun. You made it look like it wasn't this grueling thing all the time. What, just being entertaining, where did that start? And what was kind of the thought process behind it for you? No, I remember like getting called as like an eight year old, a ham bone. You know, like that's an old timey expression, but basically it's that what I was doing behind the blocks at the Olympic games. You know, in high school, I was a skinny, slow swimmer and doing like bicep kisses behind, you know, before my races. Like I was funny because, you know, I was, I was doing it for a laugh at that time. And, you know, I just kept doing it. Just kept kind of doing what I did and, you know, old habits, just forcing around. I was, I was much more interested in like snapping towels in the locker room than doing the training stuff. You know, it was fun, you know, and that doesn't mean that I wasn't training. I mean, hard work and having fun are not exclusive. Neither is competition and having fun. Why can't I do both? I'm taking this thing really seriously. You don't accidentally just swim really fast at the end of the season in a high pressure situation. But why not have fun while you're doing it too? It's just I never took myself too seriously. And that's what's really funny. What was really strange out of all that was that either you were in on the joke and laughing about it, or you're like, oh, this guy's taking himself way too seriously. Like, oh, this, guy, like this guy's not taking himself seriously at all, or this guy's taking himself way too seriously. And I had, like, critics from both camps. <laughs> so, I don't know. I was just doing what I do. I feel like... To have that level of fun, yeah, people look down on it and they're like, oh, but this is the Olympics. Like, you should be this prototypical way. Yeah, you should be a robot and just show up and do your thing. Like, forget personality. But I think opening yourself up to having that fun probably helped handle the higher pressure situations, don't you? I never really had a problem keeping things in perspective when it came to swimming. It's a sport my fast time in the swimming pool isn't changing the world. It's not making some kid's life any easier or ending starvation for someone, you know, like it was just, you know, something internal that was satisfying about the pursuit and applying yourself and putting it all out there. I liked, but it's sport. Sport is entertainment at the end of the day. You know, like we've we dedicate enough time, and commitment and investment into it that we care, right? So it, 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 to a personal level, but that's a personal level. The broader scope of things, it's entertainment. So why, why not, you know? And in the 90s, you know, when I was first being recognized that I was kind of showboating or whatever you want to call it, 
But like WWE, look at their ratings compared to like swimming versus WWE, like pro wrestling antics and stuff like that. Like it was like off the charts. Like wrestling was like at its like peak and there's like nothing to it. Like the athleticism, okay, the steroid guys are smashing chairs over each other's heads and stuff like that. But more people were interested in that than watching a world record being set in a swimming pool. And so for me, I don't know, it wasn't like some calculated, like, oh, this is a way to market the sport or something like that. But for me, I just like couldn't understand why swimmers, swimming community were like all up in arms about, oh, he's doing something different. It's, it's crazy. Uh, compare that to what the wrestlers are doing and look at the ratings that they're getting. Like, what can we allow for one person or two people in the sport to act differently and not walk in a single file line? I don't know. I'm not a marketing genius, but a lot of people did appreciate, found it refreshing that somebody was just quirky in an entertaining way. Yeah. I mean, it's good to shake it up and and mix things up because if it's just the same old, same old thing over and over again, it's, it's going to get boring. That's why it's so cool to see now, like with the ISL now, I guess, uh, a year in and starting back up season two here soon. Yeah. That would have been a perfect stage, I think for you. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sorry. I missed that. You know, like um, we, I remember sitting around cheap motel rooms at swim meets across the country, meeting up with the other high level swimmers and just like hanging out, having a beer in the hotel room, talking about what was possible. And we were talking about, you know, we got to like, don't bring, people to the sport, we need to bring the sport to the people. Or how do we do that? And we, we were talking about like building a pool inside a stadium, uh, crazy, like with lights and fireworks and stuff. And then, you know, 2008, the Omaha trials. I mean, it was like, we had, that's what we had been talking about for the longest time. So it's neat to see the sport progress and, and, and there were guys like Matt Farrell from USA Swimming. He, he was savvy when it came to how do we better market the sport and, and had a lot of driving force behind like making this thing and the technology with Mirtha Pools to be able to do that, construct a pool inside a stadium. I mean, that was, you know, not available when I was first coming onto the scene. And now ISL has taken it to the next level. And, it, and like, really, really, I love it. I love it. Did, have you gotten a chance to go to any of the meets last season? No, no. You know, especially uh, I, I have not been yeah. invited to like, uh, so, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm following it uh, through the news and stuff like that. Gotcha. I went to the one in uh, University of Maryland last year and that was like, unlike any swim meet I had ever swum in before. I was yeah. like, why, why did I have to be retired now? I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. To do that environment. But I want to talk to you about actual event. What goes on through your head when you're doing the splash and dash one length of the pool or maybe even a hundred what's happening as you're competing. So it goes like this right arm, left arm, right arm, left arm, lift, left leg up, press right leg down, Kick, breathe, right arm, left arm, finish. Hopefully at a lot faster pace, right? 
<laughs> then, then celebrate. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, there's no look. You know, there's no, there's no time to think, and 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 thank God thinking isn't required because I'd be out. Yeah, it's what's cool to look at. You and I swam the same, or we competed in the same sport, but obviously the 1650s could be way different than the 50. And it's interesting, just the more and more people I have on here talking about the differences beforehand. I feel like as a sprinter, you probably have to deal with more leading up to the actual event rather than the event itself. It's just going to unfold in a way. You know what I mean? No. Or no? <laughs> totally disagree. I'm curious. Then. What's, what's your take on it? No, uh, sprint, like, there's no room for error. Everything has to be perfect. It's the cumulative margin of victory for my two Olympic gold medals in the 50-meter freestyle is one one-hundredth of a second for both races, like, both gold medals. Mm. I tied Anthony in, in 2000, and I won by a hundredth of a second in 2004. So, I, I mean, those margins, but if – so – I hate it when people are like, oh, it's a crapshoot. Like anybody like, you know, no, it's the same people winning over and over again. Anthony's won it twice. I've won it twice. Popov won it twice. You know, uh, Florent and Cesar, Cielo, you know, got it. But they were always in the mix. I mean, it's always the same five or six people on the podium in the 50 freestyle. And so, yeah, it isn't just like an automatic. No, it, it's, it's calculated. It, it, it's all, you know. There's much more psychological capacity. It's really a bigger factor in the sprints than, than in the distance events. You can have a bad turn in a 1650 and make it up. You know, you can, you can have sloppy recovery and still be competitive. There's just, there's none of that. And so it, you've got to be sharp and, and you can't mess up. You can't mess up at all. Like the, the, absolutely not. So every race has to be a perfect race. Did you do anything in particular to help you ensure that every race was going to be a perfect race? Yeah, I practiced a lot. Other than that, no, another <laughs> secret <laughs> that's sauce. Important. That's important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an argument that that you know this. We're working on things at a level that other swimmers don't have to worry about as much. Yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty cool to to look at. Looking back on your career, what was your favorite race, and and why was that the case? You had to pick one. Yeah, the gold medal in the fifty freestyle in Athens in an outdoor pool was at sunset. You know, part of the, I like the Greek ruins in the background. I mean, it was like this beautiful, beautiful evening. It was like nice, soft. Mediterranean, like uh, breeze blowing, and, and it was just yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful sunset to a career and, and to an evening. I was about to say that's the dream right there. What's one thing that you've taken from the sport that helps you now the most, just as you go through life? I, you know, we, when I was just starting out, there were Olympians that came through our swim club you know guys that would come in and train stuff and as i have now later in my life uh done the same you know they they talk to the kids on the team and i remember listening to them and stuff and they're talking about hard work and dedication you go to any swim clinic you're going to hear that pitch right 
right? Like mm-hmm. it's the raw canned, raw, raw speech. Like this is why we do it. We love the water, but like hard work, determination, goal setting, right? There's like five things that you could just like check off that every Olympian kind of rattles off. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> like, I was not really moved by it at all. Like I had no, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah, so you're an Olympian. I am never going to get there. And it was like in one ear and out the other, but it wasn't until later in life that I realized that they were right. Like a lot of those qualities that are just words to a young swimmer develop into something, into qualities, right, of character later on in life that aren't restricted to the swimming pool. The work ethic that's developed, the can-do attitude, the getting yourself through hard days and out of bed uh, when you don't feel like it, that type of stuff, seems small maybe at, at times when you're or, or pain pain in the ass when, when you're doing it but you're fortifying strength and character <laughs> would always joke it was like this like running joke like anything that just sucked you know we'd get a set yeah a hundred one hundreds oh it builds character you know like but it, they, i hate to say it that bad joke oh it builds character it's true. It's true. So uh, if you're asking me like what I got out of swimming, that's the stuff that really helped me prevail in a, through a diabetes diagnosis and how I've managed that disease successfully and to you know, a lot of other areas in life. I was about to say, it's always those, those buzzwords, right? Yeah, and it just, it just sounded like buzzwords when I was listening to it. I, I, maybe I'm just like... Uh, oh, I'm with you and having... <laughs> recently gone through that transition in the past few years it's almost like okay i i know the buzzwords i know the qualities are my character but how does this actually apply now it just felt like yeah. what this doesn't make sense but I'm yeah, and, <laughs> yeah and it, it's difficult we want to talk about transitioning out of a, a, a sport it's difficult it's really difficult those character enhancements that care from swimming don't always translate you know or it takes us time to figure out how to redefine ourselves and figure out how to take those qualities that we have in there and apply them to something else and a lot of swimmers uh, struggle with that a lot of athletes struggle with that yeah how has that transition been for you for me, it was less difficult than I think for most. In many ways, I, I've said athletes are, especially career athletes that have made it to the highest level, the longer you're in the sport, the more of a disadvantage it is to doing anything else in, in life. And that's true. I mean, you, in some ways, become a machinist. You work an assembly line, uh, and you've got to handle the pole here, and you just pull this handle, and you just do that. And you've got a guy in there that's done this movement, handle pull, for 20 years. And then he loses his job and say, okay, you have to push this button now. And he's just like, you know, like, no, handle pull. But handle pull. No, it's a button now. Handle pull. You know, like, and so a lot of people that have this, routine that is very helpful in structuring their life and stuff like that it becomes a detriment when it's taken away and it inevitably is taken away at some point you have to make that transition redefine yourself uh, some people are able to do that more successful than others 
Yeah, I think the better you can be at, I mean, that's a perfect example. You can be super disciplined at waking up every day at 4 a.m., pulling handles, and that just makes sense, right? And then same scenario, it's like, how does discipline now transfer over to pushing buttons? There's like that. And how quickly can you make that shift? I think the quicker you can, the more successful you're going to be. Yeah, and for a lot of people, having that defined routine for so long inhibits their ability to pivot. Mm-hmm. Make, make make these adjustments so and I, you know I, there's not a lot of whole uh data out there there's studies on we know it's a problem uh michael phelps uh, just came out of the, the weight of gold uh that mm-hmm. documentary about how athletes are really struggling through transitions and, and uh, coming to terms with i mean uh, suicide rates are you know it's tough. It's really, really tough. And so for me, it was less difficult because I had this diagnosis while I was swimming that launched a career that sustained my swimming. Diabetes was supposed to be the end of my swimming career. It provided me a job that was able to, cause I was, I had no support from the sport. And I was, that was the only way I was able to continue training was through the diabetes work. And so continue that, that started before I retired from swimming. So being able to focus on that, it provided a continuum that made that, oh my God, who am I now? I'm not a swimmer. I, this is how I've defined, you know, identified for so long. Now that's gone. Wait, who am I? I didn't really have that. I just kind of threw myself into the diabetes work afterwards. Yeah. It's almost like you just had to turn the page rather than so many people I think are trying to open up a full, a whole new book when that one book ends. Yeah. Yeah, am I going to go into real estate or what? You know, do I, you know, dog yeah. walker or what am I going to do? Who am I? It's not easy. What's next for you? Where can people tune in here, listen in and keep up with you aside from obviously being a, an awesome dog dad to puddles here. What else you got going on? Uh, yeah, thanks. I just got this rescue. It's the Mexican street dog, a chihuahua. And I think there's some, definitely some pug in there. But you can find a picture on, on my Instagram, which is at GaryHall.Junior. It's irreverent. I'm not trying to sell anything. I, uh, yeah, I, you know, continue to work in healthcare, working on the diabetes uh, front, doing a lot of good work there. And, you know, access to health insurance for, with, for people with pre-existing conditions. Big topic right now in an election year. Continue to do advocacy work on behalf of patients, fighting rising drug prices and, and, and access to health insurance. There's not really anything that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to sell at this point. I've got a Facebook page. You can find me there. Again, it's silly stuff. I, I did it just, I was talking about like how I kind of like moved into the healthcare space. About two years ago, I started doing some swim clinics for Fitter Faster tour. Dave Arluck, an old friend of mine. So I started going to these things. Like I had such a good time doing it. Like I, I love working with kids and I love swimming. So why not like go do some of these things? And so we'll do a clinic. I was doing clinics and then I just July 1st moved into a house with a, a big lap pool in LA. I'm doing some private coaching here. And it's just like working with swimmers who are like really motivated and giving back to the sport a little bit, not as a career path, but as uh, something that I just love to do. I'm still involved with the race club a little bit here and there. My dad is the one that's running that, but I'm doing some coaching now and doing some uh, learn to swim, I got a little learn to swim program. I love it. That's where you can find me. 
Awesome. Well, Gary, I want to, one, just acknowledge you, appreciate you for, one, all you've done for the sport, but two, the time here. Your advocacy work with the Diabetes Foundation, too, hits home because that is prevalent in my family. So thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like way too many people. Uh, like something like 48% of the population in the United States are directly affected by some form of diabetes. That's crazy. It's overwhelming. It's, yeah. yeah. Way too many. But hopefully, yeah, things start to normalize here and yeah, well, some clinics are more possible and, and we'll, some stuff we'll, to plug. And we all live to swim another day. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Gary. One of my biggest takeaways in getting to know him a little bit better was just not to take everything so seriously and at face value all the time. Just go out and have some fun with it and make some epic things happen along the way. That was a key characteristic for him and his time as a swimmer. And I think that's all something that we could benefit from in today's world as well. If you haven't done so already, I highly encourage you to share this episode with a friend, a family member, or teammate who could use a boost. Stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by following me on Instagram at Corey Camp. And remember, if you can change your mindset and how you think, you'll be able to change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all next week.